Welcome to Decisive Point, a U.S. Army War College Press production featuring distinguished authors and contributors who get to the heart of the matter in national security affairs. Decisive Point welcomes Dr. Andrew Bell, author of Civilians, Urban Warfare, and U.S. Doctrine, featured in Parameters Winter 2020 issue. Dr. Bell is an attorney and assistant professor at the Hamilton Luger School of Global and International Studies at Indiana University, Bloomington. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Bell. In your article, you discussed the tactical, operational, and strategic implications of mass civilian casualties resulting from urban warfare, which is increasingly common today. You also addressed the harm to soldiers' mental health. Can you elaborate on this? Yes, and thank you very much for having me. Part of the background for this article was the intent to highlight the changing nature of warfare that we will soon see as the world increasingly urbanizes. We see more people moving into cities, into city environments. And it really was driven by this sense that while the world is changing, the, the army and the U.S. military in many ways isn't changing quickly enough in order to keep up with it. And so obviously urban warfare is an aspect of war fighting that's gaining increasing attention, both by scholars, but more importantly, by military planners and strategists. And if you look at some of the data that is now being driven by the UN and other expert agencies, you see that really the environment that the military will have to engage in is shifting quickly. And while we had the luxury in, in years past of not necessarily having to conduct operations in urban environments, or that was something that was seen as maybe a little bit tertiary to the army or the military's mode of operation, just based on demographics and population shifts, this will be more and more likely and something that will certainly be part of the army's future operations going forward. So just to step back a little bit, those who follow urban operations are familiar with the numbers, but for perhaps readers or listeners who don't follow the topic quite so closely, if you look at some of the numbers, some of the agencies and organizations that look at the population shifts and demographics show that by 2050, so not that far off, about 30 years from now, the world's population will shift significantly from the current state into a much more urbanized state. 2.5 more billion people living in cities by 2050. Urban land, urban sprawl is projected to triple by 2030. So when you think about that, not only is the population growing, but the area of these cities is growing as well. So the land area that would be part of potentially any operational type warfare. Mega cities are supposed to increase to 43, and these are cities with at least 10 million people. And most of this growth is expected to happen in Africa and in Asia. So areas where very likely that U.S. forces would be called on to, to operate. So really, the world is, is shifting underneath our feet as we move forward through the 21st century. But the the point of the article was, was designed to call attention to the fact that the Army's doctrine and the, and the Marine Corps doctrine and, and the doctrine of the U.S. military overall is, is really not keeping up with this new reality. And there needs to be a greater attention to preparing soldiers, airmen, sailors, Marines into training and, and being equipped for conducted operations in, in this type of environment. So obviously, based on this challenge of this new world that we'll be facing, there are some implications that are, are derived from this. So there are strategic, operational, and tactical implications. And then, as I note in the article as well, implications for the nature of, the, of our forces, our combatants, soldiers and Marines and airmen and sailors who will be directly involved in these types of uh, conflicts. So strategically, this point is probably not quite so unexpected. 
people who, who were familiar with, say, the Iraq War or, or looking at current events in ongoing in, in the Israel-Palestine conflicts are probably familiar with how the implications of this. So just the fact that when you have large populated areas, very civilian-dense environments, politically, it's very difficult for, and particularly for democracies, to want to engage in conflict in those areas because of the nature of the impact on civilians. As we saw in the Iraq War, there in the first Fallujah conflict in April 2004, the Marine Corps was gearing up to launch an attack in order to clear out Fallujah, a hotbed of Sunni insurgents and insurgency. And just as that battle was starting to kick off, there was consternation or some grief that was expressed between the, the Bush administration, people, the civilian leadership who were making decisions, strategic decisions about the, the conflict, and some of the opposition from the local tribes and local leaders in Iraq about the implications for the civilians and for the population in Fallujah. And based on this and based on the uh, fear that this would create huge numbers of casualties that potentially could drive television images and create bad TV and reduce support for the U.S. operations in Iraq, the Bush administration was very concerned about this. And so there was a pause that was put on the invasion of the city or the clearing of Fallujah in order to try to work out an attempt to find another way to clear it. They tried to use local forces and local security to do those local tribes. And of course, that didn't work out. And so six months later, in November of 2004, there was the clearing of Fallujah, that second battle of Fallujah, which actually was quite intense. So strategically, you see that just the fact that you have these cities with large population centers constrained the uh, U.S. force operations just from the nature of the bad press or bad TV that can be generated and the concern for civilians on the ground. Perhaps more importantly for U.S. forces and for listeners who look at issues below the strategic level, the operational tactical implications are pretty significant as well. It's pretty well known for those who follow urban warfare, who study it, and just even for the regular lay listeners that fighting in cities is hard, of course. So it's not like you have this nice open field where you can have mass formations con conducting fast-paced maneuver warfare like we tend to think of in, say, World War II tank battles. Traditionally, what the Army likes to do, instead, fighting in cities is, is hard, it's ugly, it's dirty, so to speak. It's nasty. It's, it's a very difficult slog. It's hard for the soldiers, for the combatants. This creates a lot of challenges for the military there as well. You recommend updating doctrine and improving training as ways to address this issue. Tell us more about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as I point out in articles, because of all these challenges from operating in cities and the impact of the warfighter, impact on facing huge numbers of potential impacts on, on civilians themselves and, and seeing mass death, mass casualties, potential for creating moral trauma or PTSD for U.S. soldiers as well. I look at the U.S. Army's doctrine, the U.S. Marine Corps doctrine on urban warfare. And sadly, at this point, it's really quite thin. A number of experts have pointed this out. John Spencer at the Modern War Institute at West Point and, and others have noted that despite the fact that this is a looming reality for the U.S. military, that actual doctrine that is supposedly preparing our soldiers and our Marines and airmen and, and sailors for this type of warfare is really thin in, in terms of addressing what do you do in this type of environment. So what do you do when you all, all of a sudden are confronted with a Fallujah-type environment, confronted with a Raqqa, confronted with a Marawi-type engagement, such as in the Philippines? And really, there's not much guidance there. As I note in the article, part of this explanation, I think, tends to derive from the fact that the U.S. military on the whole really likes to prefer large-scale mass open battles. It's where we can bring to bear comparative advantage of firepower, intelligence targeting. But really, the military doesn't have the luxury necessarily of choosing where it's going to pick its battles. And so really, doctrine needs to be updated to provide more guidance for that soldier or for, say, your, your mid-level officers or junior officers and enlisted folks about what does this look like? What do we need to train for? 
What are some of the potential implications of this warfare? How do we start the process of thinking about and practicing for urban warfare as part of our overall practicing and training for maneuver operations in general so that we can have that first step ready to go forward and so that by the time conflict kicks off, the flag goes up somewhere. It's not such a scramble from basically a stop, but there's a bit of a mindset and training that's already been drilled into our soldiers and Marines prior to the get-go. As others who have looked at this have noted, getting, of course, the, the military, the U.S. government overall, the U.S. military, it's a big ship. It doesn't turn quickly. And so there's a, a need to start that process earlier and start pushing that rudder ever so slightly in order to improve the ability to prepare for training, not only to change the doctrine, but also to change the training environments, develop the training centers, develop the training resources so that there's this preparation that has, has been developed prior to the next major land-based, uh, city-based conflict that the U.S. forces might be called on to participate in. It's a hard slog. Um, John Spencer has been leading the charge at West Point, and he can tell you the challenges that he's been facing. But I think that as more and more people, experts, warfighters in the U.S. military come to sense and understand and think think about the challenges that this type of environment presents, there more there's will be an understanding that greater preparation is always the best method of reducing problems on the battlefield and U.S. casualties later on. So hopefully, as more people engage with this issue, that it'll be become ingrained and more support will be generated for this type of thinking. Absolutely. Thanks, Dr. Bell, for taking time out of your day to speak with me. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of Decisive Point. 